cartridge audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Pickleball on Twitter, and I'm, I'm having on the show uh, tonight one of uh, a friend of mine who actually got me a bunch of writing uh, gigs. Uh, Zach, you're responsible for uh, me being able to inflict my opinions of games on people. Um, uh, and then also, well, not, I mean, in print. You don't have anything to do with me uh, inflicting people with audio things. So, you know, you're innocent as far as that goes. Uh, but it's uh, Zach Kotzler uh, here on the show to talk with us about, um, well, a lot of stuff. Like, But first off, uh, just introducing. Hi, Zach. Uh, hey. Yeah, this is Zach Kotzler here. Uh, and uh, I believe you're talking about EGM here. Uh, I am. Yeah. yeah. Whenever I mention it, people people get excited. And then, and then I say, like, well, it closed. Um, and they go, it closed. Like I, like I told them, like Toys R Us closed again. People get uh, very upset when, <laughs> when you tell them that EGM is no longer publishing articles. I, I would just like to preface uh, two things. One, um, that subject is not entirely unrelated to something I'd like to talk about today. Mm, and two, yes. they put out a lot of good material when they were um, EGM was publishing all those features. It was really, really quite stunning. The kind of um, I'm not just saying that as, as someone who like wrote there, even if, <laughs> uh, even if you know, if you're gonna read any of them, you know, I got four, or five. You're saying you're talking to four, someone else who wrote four there. or five gems. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah these no, two, two out of two writers agree. Uh, check out their writing on egmnow.com. No, it really was like pretty pretty great, and the editorial process was kind of phenomenal. I mean, I I was I was pretty surprised with how much freedom I was given. Considering it was such a like a like a mainstream major press, um, yeah, that that was that was a great place to write. And and one interesting thing I noticed is like when I was talking to like certain friends that like EGM was publishing features again, and there was all these cool things coming out there. Uh, people I knew who do not follow um, games press or games media at all, they were excited about it. They yeah. they heard that like the magazine they read on road trips growing up had like returned and were publishing material that's more interesting to them as adults now, and um, that got a very excited response from people who just generally don't uh, prescribe to game stuff. Um, yeah, I guess like, and I mean, we'll 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 go into why you are why you are saying this, other than uh, <laughs> that you just want people to feel bad that DJ is publishing. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess like in a lot of ways, I mean, you can you can really point to venture venture capitalist money and like the the, mm -hmm. the tricky the tricky quality of like maintaining funding. As like the the one of the things that that happened with EGM, not that like because people were pretty excited about it, and whenever I told people that that like I was writing there, they would got like the first thing I would get was not like oh that sounds cool like you know if I would post if I would publish something anywhere else like when I when I published like a piece or two at Vice um, Games or whatever like oh no it was Vice Sports but it was on esports like you know it would be like oh cool. Um, that's great. Like I, you know, I'm sure you have something interesting to say about esports or stop telling me about this. I don't care. Um, but like with EGM, it was always like, I love, I love that you are publishing at EGM. EGM is important to me. Mm -hmm. So like that, that whole like feel of, of like a, uh, I don't know, like hearkening back to some sort of, um, childhood experience, right. With, um, 
video game journalism is like super powerful and not in like a not in like the way you'd hear about on like a documentary where people then like pivot into talking about Gamergate or whatever. Like just like people love to think about magazines. Mm-hmm. And so EGM, they, they sort of ceased publishing those features and sort of went back to just posting like game reviews and news clips. Uh, uh, that happened and then the pandemic began and suddenly I had a lot of time on my hands and uh, I sort of inve- I sort of invested that time on sort of investigating some of the things we were just talking about. Like, yeah. why do you like I know there's always going to be nostalgia and nostalgia is a powerful force. But why do we cherish like thinking or return to these magazines specifically? So thanks to the fine folks at like the gaming Alexandria, uh, I just spent weeks staying up till 3 a.m. reading magazine scans of, like, GamePro and Famitsu and EGM and Expert Gamer and, you know, in a way, way, losing my mind, but it's... (laughs) It's like I... So, like, when I was writing the book, like, some of the... I was actually just saying this today on a a podcast that I guessed it on, but, like, um, which I'll I'll advertise when it comes out. Seems kind of (laughs) silly to mention it now. I don't know where it's going to be. On Sighted Media, uh, but... Oh, yeah, another Canadian... Um, that would, I, I know that, you know, you, you all know each other. Um, but I'm to understand that anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, Graham, so <laughs> I have to assume. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've dug your own grave there, in fact. Um, but, uh, but because yeah, like, I know one Canadian, we have one mutual Canadian friend. I know you all must know Canadians. all of them. Yeah. That, you know, there's a logic there. Yeah, exactly. A, yeah. a very good logic, I should add. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's um I think what's like what's you know what's fascinating about those things like I was I was looking at um I remember I was like I couldn't find one of the most difficult things and then what became one of the most fun things was finding articles that talked about games like games that had become like cult classics since they were released um and had a lot of like you know reviews where people would look back and say like oh here's what I think about you know X now that I'm, you know, like now that it's 30 years out or whatever, um, like the ones that really come to mind are, um, uh, alone in the dark and, uh, doom and resident evil. Um, uh, I was just like, well, how am I going to find anyone actually talking about this? And what I had to do was like track down scans of old gaming magazines. And it is just like the most wild thing to look at old gaming magazine <laughs> scans. Like it is just like, just like the amount of like, is this an ad or is this about a game that goes on there? Like the, the, the sort of like unhinged quality of explanation and um, like, I, I don't know, like it's certainly not written to be historical. Um, no, it, it by, by no means is it written to be, it's like, there's no, you know, this, it's not at all interested in telling some sort of like, um, I think like like a lot of video game journalism now, like you, it is written to to tell a story about games. Like, and I'm I'm you know I'm certainly you know this 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 pertains to me as well. Like all my writing is like is written with like thematics in mind and like okay, so like how do I how do I make a point of this that is like interesting or whatever? Like this is not that. This is like <laughs> this is just bombast. Like yeah, from top to bottom. Um, and it's they, they played a game. They they went to a E3 or some other smaller game expo, and um, they got to see what Crash, what Wily Antics Crash Bandicoot's going to get up to next. 
<laughs> and they put down like 10 postage stamp size screenshots and uh, a couple of flavor texts like, wow, here, here he goes again. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you have to you have to come up with some weird thing that that you can say about Crash Bandicoot's next adventure. Mm-hmm. Um like uh this isn't your dad's Sonic or something like that. Um <laughs> and then and then you you could post the article. Um like yeah, like I I was I was blown away. Like it really is it is just like a different kind of of medium. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that's the way to say it. Like it doesn't it does not bear too much similarity to what we recognize today as as uh, video game journalism. You you go back and especially if you're reading the stuff that came out in like the mid to late 80s, you realize it really was just like they're basically zines. Like they started out yeah. as like fan-made zines that got a little bit more official. It's not like that sort of enthusiast press. Um you know, so many games writers have a legitimacy crisis right now and like back then uh, do not expect the gray lady to ever turn its attention to n- Nintendo outside of like uh, uh, economics piece or something or like what's going on with computers sort of thing. I mean, there was there was William F. Buckley's famous run in, uh, in the official <laughs> PlayStation magazine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I do not feel that eco. <laughs> Is promoted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, really unfortunate in many ways. But wow, what what a what a history. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you know, to sort of investigate that thought of why people were excited for EGM in particular to come back, or just like a magazine they cherished to come back, and I sort of like broke down what was good and what was bad about these magazines in my head. Uh, as I said, like they're basically fanzines, and so their kind of like approach to publishing these magazines, especially in their design, is so outsider art in yes a way. Like the way that like you know they're they're obviously fans of games first, but you could also tell that they're also huge fans of Acid House because <laughs> <laughs> because they couldn't they could like the levies could not hold that back it's it's all over the font choices it's all over like the choice of which texture and patterns are going to be paint like slathered over everything yeah um i mean and, really there is that sort of like that haze of like Kurt Loader's about to interrupt me watching this kind of feeling that that you get when reading those like it it does feel like and I mean that's not quite right because that's a little more mainstream than zines. But like, there's a there is that like the nostalgic quality of like it actually feeling like that period of time, which mm-hmm. is 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 difficult to it's difficult to kind of pin down because there's a lot of stuff that that gets that um, that gets that credit. But I think like those those zines and especially those like um, like that particular like 1987 to 1991 gaming magazine just like feels very much like 1987 to 1991. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you, you, um, you just a... learn about this. No. So I've uh, simultaneous to all this. I've also, you know, I grew up on gaming magazines. Like I assume you did to some extent too. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. I, um, I got all, I, I think for a while I had, I had a run where I had like every single Nintendo power. Like mm-hmm. I, 
I I I think I had like a hundred through wow, or like what like one through like a hundred twenty. Like I and I like at one point like because I I didn't really start reading them until like nineteen ninety one and ninety two, mm-hmm. and they had a deal where you could buy a bunch of back issues, which I thought was a great deal. It turns to, out to illustrate the kind of kid that I was, uh, like I went to a friend's place and they had all those Nintendo Power Pull Out posters. On oh, the wall. so cool! And all I yeah, well exactly. My thought was like that's such a good idea. So. You know, then that happened in my place. So I, I would, you know, my dreams as I slate as I laid there sleeping at night, I was protected by uh, centerfold posters for uh, Quest sixty four and Aiden the Dark Chronicles and um, a free Brave Fencer Musashi poster that the game traders at Lauren Square gave me as a pity present when they only gave me twenty dollars for a Super Nintendo. Um, <laughs> So I yeah, mean, and girls love it. Yeah, I mean, oh absolutely. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm trying to think back. Like, if was there a particular day in in like junior high or God dare I say high school that I might have looked at that wall and thought, mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> might might want to reconsider <laughs> this Li- possible liability. Well, well, we'll see. And now I feel like if I did that again, I'd be the coolest guy in town. So you'd you know. be so you'd, the arc so the arc like... of history is so peculiar. I know, I know. Yeah, and I mean it, it's good because like. I hear in Canada it is it is just like the 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 sexual revolution too. So you want to be prepared. <laughs> Got to be ready. Um, anyway, so partly because of that, um, like even in junior high, I would like try to corral my friends into like submitting game reviews of <laughs> of things we rented over the weekend. So just to you or yeah, well, I like I I'd said I'd post it online even though I didn't know how. Uh, <laughs> Just give me a piece of paper, like controls four out of five, whatever that sort of thing. I absolutely need to know what you thought of Zevius, like, <laughs> uh, and like we just like yeah, whatever you read from Blockbusters is like hand me like a pa- a piece of printer paper with just like your thoughts on it, and I swear it'll manifest somewhere online. Don't the, ask the, the, po- the point of the point of all this is just to say I have considered. Uh, starting some sort of game publication for a while. Uh, heavily, as a child, heavily influenced by these magazines. As an adult, uh, beaten and worn down by the reality of, like, <laughs> media models and publishing and all that fun stuff. Uh, when sure. When EGM sees those features, I, like, I didn't really want to let that momentum go because it felt like something really good was building there and people were just starting to get interested in it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then slam that into the sleepless nights on the gaming Alexandria and, um, sort of the shape of something started to take place. Like for all these great things, we're talking about these old magazines. They're very far from perfect. You know, they are by and large extensions of like the media and publishing arms of these game companies. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, and they're not. Like I mean, this is like this is like the the people who brought you um, that Daikatana ad where it's like yeah. John Romero is going to be this bitch. Like, that's another big thing is like <laughs> all these all these problems we have in gaming culture today. It's like it's just like bald faced there as much there too. It's it's very uh, male oriented. It's very heteronormative, and so I just started to think like, well, that's not really what people always remember. Like. That's not the things they liked about it. That's not what they're. That's not the memories they're taking with them. <laughs> that's so, true. That's actually a very good point because as much as that is like one hundred percent there, 
you never hear people saying like, yeah, I just miss like, I miss how I miss how like the ads told me like that I was like a a a, ba- a weak baby for not being able to beat Bubsy or like I, you know I miss Gauntlet. I miss Gauntlet Legend advertisements uh, saying, yeah, right. that, <laughs> saying that somebody unfortunately has to pay as plays the chick. So, <laughs> so there's a lot there to love. There's a lot there not to love. And I just started to think like, how could I subvert this and evolve this and take the the structural and and admirable things and and warp them into something that would be much more wholesale appreciated today. And, and finally anyways, make your fortune as well. And finally make my fortune. Yeah, I'm going to be the new William Randolph Hearst off of this, off of this game zine <laughs> what a time I'm selling on it. itch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you say that, but we bro- – anyways, uh, we broke well, even yeah, on the first we'll, day. We'll so to your success, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but so so you decided to make a, a game zine and like – so yeah. uh, tell us tell us about it. Like I think – I think that preface is necessary because I think there's something there's something about saying you're making a zine and I've like I've written zines and mm-hmm. you know, for better or worse like they I don't think they're that good. Um, yours is good, uh, I will say, <laughs> um, but um, like getting a feeling for like okay, so like what is going on with it? Like what it's a zine? Like why? What is the tone here? Is it like are you doing? Uh, is this punk? Is it not? Like I think a nice preface is important, but like let's get to it. Like what? What is like? How's it been going? Describe the zine. Tell us all about it. If if Game Pro started up in 2021, like with that same attitude and that same energy, um, but for people who like games and read about them today, if it just started like right now, you just snap your fingers and it, and it manifested. What would it look like? You know, would it? It would. It, I imagine its tone and politic. Uh, it'd be a more queer magazine, ideally, uh, and I wanted to sort of put that together um i've been telling people as like a shorthand it's a queer game pro and and they very quickly seem to understand what it is i'm going for Mm. um so you know within our like quote-unquote previews for games um but those previews aren't sort of like fluff pieces telling you about like controls and console launches and what kind of uh vehicles crash bandicoot's gonna write about this time it's it's sort of like like sort of capsule pieces talking with developers about um and not just by me i'd like to also point out uh this is yeah i'm I'm running this like a magazine it's i wrote maybe like three of the pieces in here and it's all me i've written all this is is a huge vanity project for good old zach coatser his day has finally come (laughs) um no because so many people were interested in egm and especially writers outside of the usual game press circles i was like this is should become an opportunity to keep that energy going so Mm. with funland um it has the sort of style and presentation and structure of like a 90s game magazine but treating the material in in a more interesting way that we need to engage with you know today so uh yes there's stuff about like upcoming video games but uh, like half the pieces in here are like either about COVID or climate change and the way these subjects are like bearing down on their mind and like, you know, influencing uh, the the games that they're working on. We have pieces about uh, Cruelty Squad. Uh, Graham, our good friend, spoke with Val Kaleo. Um, oh, great. Kate, wow. Kate, yeah. Kate Killett uh speak spoke with christine love about her uh upcoming jrpg get in the car loser 
um, <laughs> which has very strong uh, Priscilla Queen of the Desert vibes to it. I, I really can't wait to play that one myself. Uh, Ty Guise Rowe talked with Spencer Yan about my work is not yet done and uh, trying to create like a survival game that bucks a lot of colonialist trends of the genre. Um, nice. But all this done with the kind of laissez-faire attitude towards layout and patterns and texturing that you would have maybe seen like uh, expert gamers circa 1995, like just before Laura Croft hits and... <laughs> that's all you see in these mags. That was Lara that was, Croft. Lara Croft short circuited everyone's brain. That was one one of the most interesting things about going through all those magazine scan archives is Lara Croft just landing like a meteorite. Like oh the moment God. the moment Lara Croft happens, it's every magazine cover. They can't go like more than four pages without showing you that like goofily polygonal woman in all <laughs> in all like her Lara- pre rendered glory. Lara Croft was the first video game person that, like, a bunch of dads when they were at, like, uh, Circuit City were like, were like, wow, son, who's that girl? Who's that lady? Like, I, I feel like that was the first time you got, like, a bunch of, like, adult men, like, in on you know, the weird, like, vestigial horniness that was there in video games. And there I must like- have been, like, some amount of, like, accidental sales. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you just, just, like, lean into it at that point. Yeah, like it's it, it really that really video was games. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought there would be yeah, more, it's to be more polygonal. This <laughs> is exactly the type of lady I like. Um, but yeah, like it, it, yeah, I think like the way you're describing it makes me think of um, sort of like a mix between Game Pro and something like um, uh, I'm trying to think of the right example of this because I don't want to just like throw out a name. Like, I mean, it's almost like. Game Pro meets like something like the Village Voice, but that's not right. Like, mm. it, it 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 feels sort of like it's uh, it's like it's not, and it's not Fun Home. This, for whatever reason, those are the two things that are coming <laughs> to me. Uh, be, probably because uh, the, <laughs> the name the of your zine reminds me of Fun Home. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I, I think it's like it, it feels like those those extremely sort of like personal, almost like. Um, Almost like uh, 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 what's the Catholicism thing um, that you a confessional and almost like a confessional. Ask a Jew. Story. Yeah, they're called. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I was thinking. Of. <laughs> like, uh, well, I mean, it, it, it's a word. I'm not Catholic, so I, I figured it was a word we all could know. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, Jew and a Quaker try to remember a Catholic <laughs> term. Uh, so this week on no cartridge. Uh, but yeah, like I it, it, walk there into is a bar. Some, <laughs> walk into a bar instantly ask the uh ask the ask the bartender do you know this term that we're trying to think of <laughs> um but yeah like i think i think like there is there is something like almost like confessional about about the quality like not confessional in the way of like you've done something wrong but confessional in the way of like the sort of like radical honesty that you see in those in those old um i don't know like in those old sort of counterculture zines where like mm-hmm. It isn't it doesn't have to be about anything except except like your feelings. But at the same point, it does have to be about something. It's like uh, it can't it can't ever not be about video games. But at the same point, it can't only ever be about video games. And I think that's like such a fun and interesting way of presenting the topic, especially as and I mean, you've 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 hinted at this, like especially as like games have become such like 
I don't know, uh, um, particularly weird focus points for like, what is this isn't about games, make it about games <laughs> like to, <laughs> to sort of embrace that and be like, well, no, the whole thing is we all love video games at like an extremely weird and primal level. But this is also about other stuff is, mm-hmm. is super cool, I think. And as uh, as like I'm allowed to expand with the budget, I want to like touch on more sort of what I call games adjacent things mm. in, in arts and cultures. And a lot of those like magazines, what? Oh, you know, like music and film and uh, comics and illustration. Just like things I feel, subjects I feel are like within our arm's reach. And a lot of like the Famitsu's and EGM, you often see like them speaking to like the boy band of the day uh, about how they thought about Primal Rage or something. Yeah. Uh, you should you should try and get like, um, you should try and get like, uh, I'm trying to think of like the, like a hot uh, artist, like, and all I'm thinking of is like people who I guess you could get like the weekend. You should get like the weekend on to to like asking like okay, the weekend. What is your favorite? Um, what's your favorite uh, Toho game? I'll try, <laughs> but I have to remind you, not every Canadian knows each other. All right, we had. Oh, I forgot spell. that. I forgot that. I forgot. That, honestly, that was I made that joke without even remembering that the uh, <laughs> that the weekend was Canadian. If he it used, helps, he used to work at the uh, Yorkdale American Apparel. And, oh, uh, you never, you know. You never know who's gonna sell you your uh, your cool shirt. Yeah, your your plain white tee. So yeah, it's <laughs> I want Funland to like certainly tap into the synapses, but I also don't want it to just like limit itself to being a, a, a purely nostalgic uh, exercise. I want it to yeah. sort of, like, subvert what worked about those magazines uh, to present them today. Another thing that I've noticed is like you know we all love a lot of these smaller, stranger, or alternative games, but there's so few opportunities to really write about them. No Absolutely. Matter how, no matter how interesting they are, it's just not the way the current media model, the digital. I can do as many works. podcasts about them as I want, but whenever I have pitched anything on them, writing-wise, it's always like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. I don't have much to say about that. So I, but I have noticed that like when it comes to like you know YouTube, which is like this the secondary arm of games media. The channels that do cover independent games and seem to get the hits are just the ones that like round them up, like mm. top top ten indie games of the month sort of thing. Oh sure, uh, and they get like tons of hits. They get like huge subscribers, tons of hits. So it's not as it's not as if people aren't interested uh, in smaller or alternative games. It's more that uh, the media aren't the the media models we're working with do not have a way to support them. It has to be about like the most omnipotent trends possible. Uh, yeah. And I think like, you know, like to, to sort of do some self critique there of myself, not of you, you don't have to do any self critique. This isn't oh, a struggle session. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're, we're of course a Maoist third worldist, uh, JD Pond uh, podcast, but no struggle session needed. Um, but the, uh, <laughs> just joke jokes for Donald Hughes. Uh, hopefully he is listening. Um, I do but, hope he's that'd be, like, he can oh, I love that'd be lovely. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll have him listen to this one, especially yeah. at minute 27. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, like I, I think like, um, you know, one of the things that, that I, I mean, I pride myself on, on talking about these games and, and thinking about games that are not necessarily like, you know, in the immediate, um, you know, triple A zeitgeist or whatever. Right. <laughs> but at the same point, I think, something that I'm guilty of and something that a lot of like alternative games media is guilty of is not 
giving people a way to digest these things easily, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and like, and what I, I don't mean like uh, getting a podcast because getting a podcast is quite easy or, or whatever. Clicking on Polygon is quite easy. Uh, clicking on Kotaku or whatever uh, or paste. But like the, what I mean is like, we're not giving them like an in that is akin to, hey, here are the top 10 uh, indie games of the past month, which like feels almost like rude or wrong. Like it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, that's just like they're more than that. They're like important. And I feel like there's something cool about a magazine like what you're putting out where like it. it <sighs> It allows you a chance to not like take that lightly, but also to like observe that like, yeah, people want to people want to have like a lead. People want to feel like, oh, cool. I can learn about this. Nice. I can learn about the top 10 things. That's really appealing to me. And you can still make it like feel, I don't know, try to come up with a better way to say this that isn't so freighted with something that feels like weight, but like, uh, that honors the game in a certain way. The answer to, to the problem is like sort of staring us in the face the entire time. Like if people are interested, but they don't know how to find the information, um, you, you look at those old magazine scans and you, you think of like all those game pro covers that just said like inside 99 plus games. That's how you found out about games you weren't. Games. Well, yeah, that's right. That's the way you found out about games you weren't necessarily looking for is because you now had a magazine to like comb through Mm-hmm. And maybe you bought it for like the Mortal Kombat cover story, but you're gonna discover, you know, Earthbounds and and uh, Metal Gear Solids throughout, like through happenstance, right? So, yeah, and that's like, I mean, that's like something I really liked about the cover of Funland. Like, there's like this. Is, I do, I wanted to tie back to this. Like, I mean, the cover art's wonderful. It's really oh, thank good. you. Um, oh, did it's you do a, it? No, I did not do it. Uh, <laughs> you should have taken credit right yeah. there. That would have been that would have been really smart as a creator. It's that a, you wouldn't that, have said it. The anymore. covers by an artist named uh, Noel Lawrence Holder. Uh, it's great. Yeah, they knocked it right out of the park. I was like, so happy when they showed me the draft for that cover. I'm like, well, we did it. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's so good about it though is like the the illustration sort of looks like something out of heavy metal. Mm-hmm. The uh the whole thing, the magazine, although I guess also the genre, but more so the magazine. Um, and then like the cover itself is like it looks like something you'd find sort of in an old like PC game box. Um <laughs> I I like I like the little tag on there, Zach's records and tapes. Like it, like the whole thing to do like sort of a semiotic reading of your cover here. Uh well, like the whole thing really is like super cool, but at the same point it says like living in cyber hell. It has like instantly when you get in there, it's clear that like there's cool um, art and stuff, but it's also like stories that you wouldn't necessarily expect in there. It's not all like pixelated and stuff. It gives you the to, to put it a different way. It gives you the aesthetic that you're looking for that draws you in where it's like, oh, this looks like something that would be really cool to read and then gives you a bunch of content that doesn't necessarily correspond with just that aesthetic uh it's not like it's out of place but it like it gives you more than than you might expect and i think that like kind of gets us something you're saying about about those those old gaming magazines is that like they'd say things like inside mortal Kombat, like learn all the fatalities <laughs> but really the thing you'd end up actually caring about was something that was never on the front cover right like you, you'd be you like be obsessed with some like you know uh screenshots of panzer dragoon or something like that right mm-hmm. you're like this looks insane like i love the way this looks 
Um, and that's not what anyone thought you'd care about in the in the the thing at all. But they included it because that's I mean, that's kind of the as you say, it was staring them in the face. It's like, how do you advertise an entire industry? You just put the put the 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 seller up front and then uh, show everyone else everything else once they're in. I uh, I was such a weird kid. I was the kid whose favorite game was shit like Clay Fighter. Oh, Clay and, Fighter was so cool. And, and the, the day that, like, Nintendo Power made Clay Fighter the cover story was such a vindicating moment of my childhood. I'm like, yes, you're right. It is cover story worthy. Uh, <laughs> Clay Fighter 63 and a third. Such a, uh, such a, like, such a, a, a good time for kids who's, um, and I, I count myself in this, so I'm not, I'm not making fun. I am, I am empathizing. Kids whose sense of humor was basically just like Douglas Adams, but I haven't read Douglas Adams yet. And <laughs> Lord help you when I do. It's, uh, it's integral. You get your Douglas Adams phase uh, through in high school. It's so important, you know. Yeah. Maybe, you maybe can't. you'll have like, you'll have a loser high school, but that's fine. You'll grow from it. You'll, you'll mature and you'll get older and you'll look back and say, no, it, Douglas Adams wrote a really good, funny, very British sci-fi i'm glad i read it. i got into it then uh <laughs> and not when i was actually talking with people i was like attracted to yeah you can't you can't bring up dirk gently on a on a date mm. you could you could sort of be like oh <laughs> yes well there's there's a lot of really interesting stuff out there if that comes off like oh yeah i think i've read some of that but you can't be like Oh, I wrote you some Vogon poetry. It's like it's this thing. Um, you always have to keep a towel around. LOL. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think like I think you know like that was such a such a rich time for people like 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 us. Um, clearly, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I I think you know the the like having the cover story. It it also like as you say it speaks to this other thing that was going on then, which was um, this fact that like. Having a cover story, having some sort of like sense of, okay, like your thing is the important thing this month, right? Mm -hmm. Is is so like central to um to that period of time where people would be like, I mean, it's like it's like TRL was this way, like everything was like, did your thing beat the other thing? And of course, like it doesn't mean that your thing gets any less coverage. It just means that your thing is the most important thing. I'm number one on TRL. I I got the cover story this week. Like that was like. It was a certain kind of like pride that had zero stakes whatsoever um, and was sort of like before the attention economy of the Internet uh, made it so that like attention really was not that hard to get. It's much more just like distinction is hard to get. And that made everything a little little different. Just to clarify, the cover illustration doesn't really correlate to any of the specific games inside, though. Oh, yeah. Li- living in cyber hell is kind of like, I don't know, a common thread throughout a bunch of pieces. Uh I wrote a, a feature about Yahtzee and their upcoming cyberpunk game, uh, Norco. Uh, Struggle Session uh, co-host Leslie Lee uh, wrote their Never take. Never heard of them. Yeah, now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they wrote their take on uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Um, and uh, a number of the previews uh, address games of certain cyberpunk uh, sensibilities. Yeah, and I if I if I suggested that the cover had like a, a one-to-one correspondence with, with what was in there, that was me doing a bad job. Mm. Like I I think <laughs> tisk, tisk. I know it's horrible. You're a good editor. Um no, I think like I think the the correspondence is more like you see some aesthetic or something you like on the front. Like even those like I'm thinking of those old really strange issues of Nintendo Power where like 
it had like fo- it had not just photorealistic, but like someone dressed as Simon Belmont fighting Dracula. Like okay, so there's this there's this Twitter and Instagram account. I think he follows me now on Twitter. It's it's amazing. He collects the props oh my from God. those covers. He finds them. He tracks them down and he puts them in a glass case. It's you think they might have just been like long gone or thrown into a dumpster by now, but they find them. The, that is amazing. The Nintendo Power. I think it's called. I think it's called like the Art of NP. One second. Um, oh, that's so cool. Um, I'll find it. Okay, but like, uh, I mean, there's like, there's like something about that, like that cover art that's so compelling because, like, it itself doesn't really have anything to do with Castlevania, like. If you think that cover art tells you anything about Simon's Quest, like I have, I got another thing to tell you. Like it tells you nothing about it, but it gives you like a sense of some sort of image that like sticks in your brain, and you're like, "Ooh, that makes me want to learn about like what's inside this." Right? Like I, it's not like it's not. I think like the way, and this isn't to this isn't to denigrate any sort of writing that's out today. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not a fun time to be writing about video games in a lot of ways. Uh, not least because, you know, video games are part of the same economy that all freelance writing is a part of, which is just in shambles right now and just like a miserable place to to work and mm-hmm. and, and function mm-hmm. in. Um, and, and of you know, no fault of the people doing the actual writing. Um, but, uh, you know, like I think the thing about um, the thing about video game writing now is that you know, you get to click on the article and you get to read exactly what you came for. Like you get to, you get to sort of like focus in and say like, Oh yeah, I'm here to read about like, I'm, I'm super, I mean, take some of the games you covered. Like I'm super Mm -hmm. into, uh, getting the car loser, right? Like that sounds really cool to me and I want to play it. Some of the games we've previewed in there are just like, you know, I, I stumbled across them, but there's no other information about them. That's really all they're like, whatever screenshot there is. So I just thought like, well, this will be the place then. But yeah, I, I, exactly. I don't. I don't want. I'm gonna just quickly DM. I found it. Um, oh, okay. I don't want to like claim that I'm the first new publication like cover indie games or alter- or alternative games or queer games. <laughs> well, it's, just, it's weird because you literally have co- you've claimed that a... several times. Um, just just kidding. You haven't claimed. That. <laughs> I realized but, that that didn't come up. But, as a uh, joke. <laughs> but it, I, uh, which is why, like, it took me like. Me and my design partner Jacob, we we I uh, I sort of went back in our old emails and we have like materials from like 2011 where we were talking about starting a game magazine. It took me like a long time to sort of gestate and ex- uh, figure out exactly what I wanted this magazine to be, and it took a weird hurricane of events to sort of clarify that picture for me. Mm. Um, yes. Uh, anyways, I don't know what's going on. No, I mean, it's, it, I think like, I think so. It doesn't seem to me like you're saying like you're reinventing the wheel, but I think mm-hmm. you are doing something like that is compelling insofar as you're presenting these things in a way that they aren't typically presented. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's pretty fair to say. I think like, you know, it's not, it's not as if no one's ever written about video, like indie games or no one covers them. Like, I know, uh, um, uh, our good friend, our good friend, Mecha Poetic. On Twitter, uh, uh, they cover like super interesting stuff all the time. Um, she's been on the podcast a number of times, um, and like you know, th- her streams are like ultra interesting, and they're like they're full of just like indie, like really, really like you know, 
way underground stuff. It's not like it's not like that model is is not out there. It's that like I think there's something that you've identified that I haven't seen identified before, mm-hmm. which is that it's hard to get people to care about indie games when and like interesting games and different games and stuff that isn't just like AAA stuff when you're you're asking them to just pick and choose exactly what they're interested in on the front page of a web page, right? And that's not to be a luddite about the internet. It's not it's not to like you know, get mad about video game journalism or anything. It's literally just to say, like, maybe there is an attention problem because we constantly get to pick the exact thing we love. How many websites do you still, like, visit the homepage for? When's the last time you scrolled down a homepage to just see what's happened throughout the day? Yeah, no one does that because there's no reason to anymore. It it, it literally is just like, well, I, I, I might, you know, like, I think the the thing, the closest, and I don't even think I do this, like the closest you could do is like, oh, I'm going to Polygon or I'm going to Kotaku or I'm going to like whatever waypoint when it was around or whatever to check like the one article, like the one place I think is cool and to see like stuff I've missed, which no one really does. I, I like, oh, I'll, I, I want to read about Red Dead Redemption 2, so I'll, I'll see what Giant Bomb said about it. You know, well, like the I think, whole internet like ecosystem has been streamlined into like yep. five or so sites, and exactly to to play within their their structure, it, it doesn't really leave a lot of room for variety or success. Um, thankfully, you know, a lot of people have clued in that this whole media model is broken, and it's only it's like it's on like peg legs at this point. Um, I mean, yeah, it's 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 like the it's become. Like painfully clear that basically, like the media model only works so for as long as you, like, occupy the whims and interest of like two or three of the wealthiest people in the world, and then as soon as they don't like playing around with your site anymore, they they sell you and you can't mm-hmm. do anything else anymore. It's like it it is truly just like a a nightmare scenario. So that moment, like last year, when you know Defector opened its doors and. Not only did people sign up, a lot of people signed up. It, oh yeah, it was huge. It took it took no time at all to prove that you can just ask your audience to pay for it, and maybe this whole ecosystem where, where we told ourselves people will only use sites if they're free or services if they're free uh, is might just be something we've told ourselves. Like right, obviously more people are going to engage with the site if they're free, and and so many sites are obsessed with like uninterrupted growth but you don't need uninterrupted growth if like your dedicated audience is going to pitch in four bucks a month you know yeah you could you can come up and i think you know that's like that's an interesting way of thinking about how that model like harkens back to an older sort of like media economy in a certain way like there's a ton of magazines that were around when we were younger that you know like never thought they would get like infinite growth i don't think you know like I mean, there's a bunch of magazines that you look like. I think there's like at least like three or four named something like Computer Gaming Monthly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's like monthly computer games. They computer game the monthly. Around. Well, when, like, games for computers. When I was a teenager, month. like I liked reading PlayStation Magazine, but I was less hot on official PlayStation Magazine. <laughs> right, and like I, I feel like when you're when you're doing, <laughs> sorry. That's really good. Uh, I feel like when you're doing that, though, like when you're kind of like when you're working through, okay, like there are, you know, six different magazines that do like exactly the same thing I do. You're not thinking like, okay, I'm going to become 
extremely rich and this is going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You're saying I need to get an audience big enough that this becomes something that is sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that that sort of like distinction is not I mean, profit means it's sustainable. It's still not like, you know, it's not like we're making really existing socialism by making like <laughs> or communism, making like magazines. That's not really the point. But also it's like it's it's a way of thinking about this stuff that isn't just okay, this model needs to be totally overhauled. Where's the next, where's the next big, um, where's the next big thing that, that I can, that I can disrupt and, and make money off of. You the can last, be satisfied with a model. The last time I worked for a startup, like the guy who was running the show was so clearly far. Like I, I couldn't tell the last time they just thought, how am I going to pay for rent? Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, completely like vanished for the first two months that i was working there because they were just doing like angel <laughs> investor capital rounds and when they did finally cool come, when they did finally come back like my understanding of the whole enterprise is that we were going to launch an app but then suddenly the app vanished and we went back to just being a very large facebook page so i was very curious of like what <laughs> the profit model of our business was going to be going forward um Sometimes that answer, that, that, Facebook page. That answer, that answer was not questioned by our first big all hands meeting, where he sort of outlined the vision um, for the next thirty years of that company. But he wow! Did, but he did outline that, like you know, we're just going to get uh, deals for movies with Netflix, uh, and then I will never forget the final slide, which is like goals for our thirty years of this company, and that is end all human suffering. And, oh, 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 and and open the first vape lounge on Mars. <laughs> and neat, none of none of that really now has it made me feel any better about the question of like, so what are we doing here? Now, be fair, has it been thirty years? It has not been thirty years. I do believe they like that was back when they were working out of a co-op, and eventually they rented the second floor of a, a, a more standalone building and i was informed that is they just started running illegal parties out of there which at least to me is like that's a business that's, model that's cool yeah that that's makes kind sense. of like if you close your eyes and, and sort of like imagine a little bit you're at a vape lounge in mars at that point yeah that makes sense to me it's like well clear like the the exchange of money for goods and services that that's just makes sense now <laughs> it, it took you it took you a real journey to get there but it, it's a lot more plausible than just being a very large facebook page yeah it's like i don't you know like the, the i think parks and rec might be one of the shows that has aged most poorly of of any media that i've <laughs> ever ever consumed but uh and quickly at that but um one of the funniest things on that show that I still think is is very good is um, Aziz Ansari. Uh, another thing that's aged quite poorly, uh, Aziz Ansari's um, uh, terrible uh, business ideas, where like you know the business idea will be like, oh, we'll get athletes in and just give them a bunch of iPads, and uh, and like people will be like, well, why is that a successful business? And it's like it just is. But that's the, like, th- those are the real guys like sh- trading huge sums of money right now they're just exactly like, like it's such a good it's such a good send-up of that because it's not even a parody it's like it's actually what happens just we're we're all just like staring aghast at elon musk as he builds like a mood lit tunnel <laughs> that, that barely that like barely fits a car it's like designed like a disneyland dark ride but it just takes you nowhere and getting a like he's expecting to like get a plot he gets a plot f- for it um 
we people should, who don't we should, like him are get get critiqued. Yeah, you, you really cherish that. Remember that time he uh, unveiled the cyber car? <laughs> yeah, and everyone and he, just like ripped on it. Well, not you didn't even have. Well, to not everyone. Yeah, you, you didn't even have to because he's like the the windows are bulletproof, and he just threw a ball bearing at it, and it shattered. <laughs> I forgot about that. Like that—that uh, that should be a ruinous moment of somebody's career. Back in the day, Howard Dean's camp, like campaign to become president, was ruined by an unusual scream. And here's Elon Musk continuing to be like the richest man in the world, um, basically, uh, yeah, ha- like having his pants fall down after claiming he's wearing some indestructible belt. It's well, the LifeLock guy still has a job. Like LifeLock's still around after that. After that disastrous thing where they. They were like, "Oh, we guarantee LifeLock is so secure. I'll um, I'll publish my uh, social security number on this truck going around Midtown." Um, and like, he got his identity stolen like eight hundred times in a row. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's it's just too inconvenient to take power away from these people. But. Right? Yeah, they're they're just too. I'm sorry, they were there first. Um, but yeah, no, I think like I think what's interesting about your model is like. It is it is the sort of like older way of thinking, but not in the oh, let's get back to like let's get back to basics or like a, a sort of like weird racist like fantasia of what, you know, the past used to be. It really is just looking and saying like, hey, I think maybe we could just do this in a different way and not have to deal with these would not have to deal with like having a scion of industry uh, like dictate whether our video <laughs> game magazine gets to continue. I'm like, I'm. I believe you got to be transparent about these things, and and on the Patreon page, I'm saying like, look, uh, it's gonna scale with the reception. Like, the more money we get, obviously, the bigger I can make the magazine. That's not to say like the first issue is incomplete in any way. Um, I'd it's sort great. Of, I, I'd I've s- gotten. To, I've had. I've been able to read it. It's very. I'd sort of set I, money aside over the years, which is how like I made sure all the money was accountable before I hired anybody, so everyone got paid. Uh, and going forward, I'll know exactly how much money I have because we raised it through uh, Patreon and Itch. Um, oh, and people tip on Itch too. That's very, it's very humbling. Hmm. Yeah, they do. They really do. Um, That's interesting. I maybe should. Uh, the, the 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 show is moving to Itch. No, actually, <laughs> actually, people can tip me on this, but it, it's rare. It's it's a weird program, and I don't I don't ever advertise it. But yeah, I like Itch. I think Itch is great. I think like. You know, I I feel like one of the things we we constantly get ourselves caught up in in like a kind of like lefty video game scene is getting everything absolutely perfect as mm-hmm. opposed to just trying something and and like working out like hey if a conflict happens like if we just, if we if we discover that itch is bad uh, down the line like you mm-hmm. know like funneling money to uh, to like you know like literally to Netanyahu who is then like using it to. <laughs> You know, light precious uh, parchments from Palestinian history on fire. Um, Man, it's like, gonna be real weird in four years when we learn when that we exact find out they scenario exactly. you just described is happening. Did, what did Trevor know? Um, but yeah, like it, you know, like that could happen. Um, you could find out that like the company you're doing business with is doing something horrible. But I feel like we're we're very worried about like you know, doing all the due diligence to find out that that never happens. And mm-hmm. again, something I like about, about your thing here is like, you're just, you picked the, you picked the program, you picked the things as best you could. 
you picked the people as best you could. You you went with an aesthetic vision um, and you advertised it and you went through with it. And it's not like, you know, if anything, if anything went wrong in that way, you could just say like, OK, well, we're moving. We're, we're picking up stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about it's not about getting everything right at first. Like even transparently, you're like, yeah, look, it's this is like this is uh, this is the first issue. I think it's great. It's going to be better if you guys keep reading it. Um, I'm not here. I'm not here to claim that like Patreon and itch are like perfect or or infallible, but I do think some the services like Kickstarter really scarred a lot of us Mm -hmm. and like the way we think about crowdsourcing or getting money or subscribers because it encouraged such such bad bad practices and people. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, like the I, I feel like the show. I feel like one of the best uh media criticisms out there is um is uh my friend uh just I, I like saying my friend jesse because I, I i think about him listening to the show and then feel like very uncomfortable about me saying that um but we are friends uh uh, uh but no uh, jesse and uh and mike's your kickstarter sucks like i feel like there's something about that show that just like gets immediately to the point of like what is so just upsetting about kickstarter and like that rarely is the same thing as what's upsetting on patreon patreon and itch not that it doesn't happen like there's you know scam artists everywhere or whatever mm-hmm. but like at least most of the people on patreon and itch are doing something because they think that like it's something that should be done not how do i fool people into paying me like you know six hundred thousand dollars for this like bed of the future or I something think, like I that. I think no matter how noble your intentions are running a Kickstarter, you're going to be scamming people a little bit. Not everything you're oh, saying yeah. is, is you know, you're going to be a little bit disingenuous because you have to. It's it's treated like a fire sale. You have to get everything on there at once because you only get one shot. You can't do a second one. You only get one shot to get all the necessary funds. So you're going to get a little desperate with it. Uh, itch is so much, itch and Patreon, so much more comfortable. You can basically say like, this is what I want to do. We're going to work towards it together. You and me. Come on, buddy. Let's go. Giddy up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, I think like, you know, and, and maybe, maybe this is what I like about Funland is that like it, um, it embodies that in a lot of way. Like just like even looking at the stuff, like there's such a, it, there's the zine energy of just like trying stuff. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know how many, I don't know if like, I don't, I know Graham is. I don't know if you are, are like a comic guy or not. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah I, okay. Okay. I've actually. I'm glad you're approaching this because uh, I wanted to bring it up the entire episode. But continue. Oh, okay, great. Well, I'll let you do it after I do a really quick thing. Maybe yeah. we're not even going to do the same thing. But like, I think like you know, this reminds me of some of those like very weird like out outro comics that you could get sometimes at at, at the at the store like. Um, I'm thinking of of uh, flaming carrot, but that's maybe not the best example. Um, but like the ones that are all, like kind of anthologies, like uh, even like milk and cheese, like those weird like you know you're gonna get like a three page story and then you're gonna get another three page story and maybe a five page story and like the art is gonna change radically. It's gonna be like super interesting and super different. I mean, love and rockets is is always the one I come back to, but obviously that's different because it's like consistent creators. But like. Yeah, like uh, there's a that... there's a particular page in Funland that okay. no, no one's really singled out in the comments just yet. Everyone's just had generally very nice things to say about it. Um, but yes, if you're flipping through Funland and you didn't scan the table of contents too closely, you're you're gonna land on a page um, that just says uh, Hemorrhoid Journey, 
in it's it's advertised on on yeah. the on the edge yeah yeah it just says hemorrhoid journey with very little context uh a man in a bear head with a sword uh walking down a tunnel from little gremlin people um it's fantastically rendered uh by a illustrator named garrett young um to quickly loop back to the reading those old magazine back when i was a kid i was like perpetually behind a console generation growing up okay so even keeping up with like the contemporary gaming magazines i didn't really have access to most of the games i was reading about so when i'd see like an advertisement for like jersey devil or punky skunk in my mind it's like well that could just be the best game in the world it doesn't really make much of a difference in my life to me, these games barely exist. And when you go back and read these old magazines, some of those games never ended up existing in the Correct. first place. So if that was like part of the magic and thrill of reading a magazine, I, I didn't really expect to be able to like sell ad space in this thing. It's, it might have just been too weird a pitch for like anyone with money or publishers or whatever. Um, I but mean, I you might be able to for number two. <laughs> well... I'll get back to this in just a second, but yes. Oh! Um, <laughs> So I just thought, like, well, the ma- the advertisements were, like, part of the magic when I was reading these magazines growing up. I don't want to, like, deprive my new audience of that. So I just thought, if it doesn't matter to me when I was a kid if the games ever existed, then it won't matter today. So I just started approaching uh, a number of cartoonists and illustrators to create gaming advertisements for things they just made up. Like That's a, really cool. Game Game ads from another dimension is... I think I put it on the itch page. It's um, a little like the it's a little like the trailers from um, Grindhouse. If it was yes. actually like this is like this is something I've 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 am regurgitating wholesale from my friend Sean McTiernan, who uh, is my favorite film critic currently. Um, <laughs> another thing that if Sean is listening, it will just make him cringe to hear. Uh, so another thing I can say to own my my the people who are who care about me. Uh, the only thing I want to do is make them feel bad. Um, no, it's like I, I I love Sean's work, and one of the things I like about Sean's work is that he knows a lot about film and likes a lot of like weird film, but also does not suffer film nostalgia uh, kindly without like if unless it's like very well done, and like there's there's something about like the the Grindhouse trailers that's so compelling, but then also like you look at them and you're just like, well, this is sort of like imagining a Grindhouse that didn't exist, mm-hmm. and what I like about about like Hemorrhoid Journey in particular, I'm just looking at this illustration right now is like, it's not even about imagining like a a specific thing. It's not like, Oh, could this be in Nintendo power or could this be in EGM? EGM is the better example. Like EGM or, um, or PlayStation magazine would be like the ones where you'd see those more often. Those kind of like Mm -hmm. very bombastic ads. It's more like, does this give me the feeling looking at it as looking at an ad for like populace made me feel, and the answer is yes, like 100 <laughs> percent. Like it, it just like it, it has it like conveys a feeling so effectively. And I think like that, that is like something that Funland uh, just like, I don't know, in my opinion, does quite well in that, like it is this it is this kind of like distilled sense of feeling that isn't like limited to that. Like it's not just a, a, an exercise in nostalgia, but it is in some ways just like a way to kind of experience a sort of aesthetic that is not, you know, uh, very popular anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really excited to sort of expand on that shtick as more as more money comes in. Uh, 
I even so, though there's only a, like a cut, I think there's like four in this issue, but like I'd love to just go bonkers with that. And as I sort of uh, mumbled across a few moments earlier, uh, yes, we've already had a game publisher approach us uh, with putting in real ad space into the magazine. Wow. Uh, They're fully aware and in fact like the fact that it's also full of uh, fake advertisements. So, <laughs> you know, the, the obvious question comes across is like, well, how am I going <laughs> to... You know, how am I going to pull this one off? But uh, it'll be... Congratulations on getting uh, the the rights for the Borderlands 3 DLC. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> this is just so random. We're, we're, both, we're both big fans of magic. Um, <laughs> make all your hard drives disappear. Uh, <laughs> Again, maybe like one of the things that I was most disappointed about starting Passionless when we did was that that was like we started it just around the time that, that story came out. And there there has been nothing that has been quite as as like mind bending as the Randy Pitchford. She is just doing a magic trick story. Um, it's a, it's a but, beautiful painting. Like it's a mosaic, right? It couldn't it just be. It couldn't yeah. just be one detail. It couldn't just be Randy Pitchford. It couldn't just be the thumb drive. It couldn't just be like he's like a weird magic obsessed guy. It couldn't just be that he left it at a medieval times. It all has to. <laughs> it all has to come together. It's a wonderful patina. Like you, if you wrote the story. It's one of those like things. If you wrote the story, you would be you would be laughed out of any any like respectable place because it just seems so so. There's so a on the there's nose. a Carver esque quality to it. <laughs> it's true. It just keeps going and making you more uncomfortable, and you're just like, oh, I hope they get out of this situation <laughs> soon. <laughs> like, let's open up another beer. Oh no, don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think like um, I'm really excited to see where you go with this. Like, I I, I feel like there's. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So I'll say, like, it, 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 it feels like something I haven't seen before in a long time. It, like, it's, it's marrying a lot of like really interesting um, influences in a way that, like, yeah, I think, like, I think there's like, there's not a lot of people who use the term queer in, like, the the kind of like purely sort of like celebratory outsider. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, there are people in the queer, in queer spaces who do, but I think like mm -hmm. if people are like, if people are just like describing something as like in a marketing term, like I feel like people are afraid to use the term queer in, in that sort of like emancipatory like way that I think a lot of people who, you know, re reclaimed that term or, or, or claimed that term, uh, probably intended like based on, you know, their writings and stuff like that. Um, and I mean, that's going back to like a bunch of theory that no one wants to hear me talk about. But like, I think I think what's interesting about calling this queer when it is like it is not on its face. It's not like, you know, fun house. Like, yeah, fun, fun house. God damn it. Uh, like like Funland, uh, you know, a a a queer journey into like uh, LGBTQ gaming. Um, it's queer in a, in a much different sense, like in, in a, in a much like subtler, but also like all encompassing sense. And I think like, it's really cool to see that. Cause I think that kind of like that kind of work, that kind of like uh, uh way of understanding the mission of like an outsider piece is um, often ignored or, or forgotten when people talk about like hyper localized, um, you know, like very, very specifically interesting stuff. 
Um, and this like this does that kind of like, oh, man, like, what am I going to see here? I don't have any expectations for like I don't have any norms to go back on for what I'm going to read in this magazine, uh, even though like I really want to read it and it looks cool to me Like in in the same way that like I pick up a, a Dennis Cooper or Kathy Acker book like it's like, oh, I, I, I like what I'm being shown here. I have no expectation of what the norm about this is going to be. And that like is really, really cool. Uh, I mean, we because I, I am using that description, I do keep like uh, an emphasis on having queer creators, queer writers, queer talents uh, throughout. And uh, there isn't this first issue, but it, it, like in the Christine Love piece, it's like you don't just it's frustrating to just rest on certain labels for things like. Yeah, I don't want Funland to be seen as like the queer games destination or anything like that. So it, it, yeah, and that's that's a risk. Because then you then you and not not a risk for Funland, but a risk for like the creators in it because that's a really easy way to have people pigeonhole you. Like oh, mm-hmm. so you got published. Like oh, so like your game got published about there. I see it's like one of those games. Um, that's just like constant in the video yeah. game world. And, and and in the Christine Love piece, uh, she's frustrated with that too because like. Why can't I just be like more than something that's the default to myself, you know? Like mm. yeah. That's a really good really good point. Yeah, I think like I I feel like that's like a oh it's a thing I've seen a lot more like written about a lot more recently and and in like interesting ways. So I'm, I'm looking forward to reading more of it. But like the the way that um that sort of like Except like the the quick acceptance of identity where it's like, oh, I understand it. I respect you as this. Like I, I respect your opinion as as a native person or I expect or indigenous person. I expect your I respect your opinion as a queer person or I respect your respect your opinion as a trans person. How that in and of itself is like an essentializing move. Like it's a really easy way to make yourself comfortable with with like someone's identity without actually sort of like interrogating how little or much it might matter to isolate that element of them um and like i think something like um something like i don't know maybe not even just an article maybe just like funland in general is helping to de-essentialize stuff like that because it is i think like the the identity first and foremost is the magazine and like mm-hmm. what the magazine is doing and then writing in the magazine is just like a, a you can you can kind of build your own sense of self from there if if the Queer game pro pitch is what hooked you in here. Then, like, I'm glad because you're going to be happy. But so is ideally all the. I, I'm, I'm not having trouble getting the kind of pe- the audience that I was hoping for. Um, yeah, because I'd like it to. I don't know if we said this explicitly. You broke even day one. Yeah, day one I broke even. Um, and obviously, I'd like it to you know keep going to make a more serious endeavor out of the follow up issue, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna discover like a uh, a uh, uh, a Lionel Langley plan Landley plan of like me suckers money like just... <laughs> yeah I'm off to Ogdenville um... <laughs> but yeah no I think like yeah it's 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 really cool it's, like I it's, think despite all the words and the stuttering and stammering over like trying to figure out what it is uh, when you put it in front of people they get it pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. they get that yeah. it's something a little different and, and I'm not aiming for something that's sort of been popularized or, or being worked on out there. Um, for, for like the hour we've been talking, like the moment people seem to like see it 
or watch one of those little promo vids I put together, they, it just sort of translates to them. And um, I guess that's why you put all this effort and why you put all this design and um, tailoring all the writing and stuff is that if, if people can look at it and figure it out and like it in like the first 30 seconds of seeing it, then like mission accomplished, I suppose. Yeah, no, that's really fair. And I think like, you know, one of the joys of, of like a podcast is like we can sit here and, and chat about it. And like, I, I really like doing that. I like, I like breaking it down. I like like thinking about this from like all sorts of angles and, and, you know, not getting, getting to things circuitously and stuff like that. But like, I mean, that's not necessarily what you want to do when pitching a magazine. <laughs> and like, so like the fact that the fact that it does uh, kind of like it, it is hard to pin down, but also at the same point, like absolutely when you see it, you know what you're looking at in, in a certain way. Like that is, that is such a testament to it. Um, I think mm-hmm. like, yeah, as, as far, and as far as the, the queer label thing goes, it's just like, you know, I'm bisexual, but I just don't talk about it very much because it's not really like, uh, you don't want people to talk about, you don't want people to talk about you as like the bisexual video game. Yeah. Writer. Which I don't think they would anyways, but it's not really like, I want to talk about pinball, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want to talk you about. Sh- Are you going to get Sharpling on the NX issue? Oh, you know, that would be, I do, I would know how to get his attention. Um, you should do it. Oh, what a dream. What a dream. I know. I bet I'm he's so, right. I'm so glad that he's a pinball guy and he surrounds himself with pinball people. And what the things I would do to be one of those pinball people. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's been, I think you have a shot. Trev, <laughs> it's been so long since I've touched a pinball machine. It's been making me sad oh it's it's incredible i'll like there's a there's like a brewery around the corner and they've got um fireball and the harlem globetrotter machine in the window and oh I'll, like, yes I'll, I'll whimper like a puppy uh every time i walk by just like no one's like it's it's so you know the moment this pandemic ends people are like so what's on the like your shortlist to do like honestly i'm gonna spend like five hours just going at like a pin, bunch of pinball machines and I'm going to zone everybody out. It's just going to be, it's going to be with horse blinders on, you know, um, before this, <laughs> oh, were you, were you next? Uh, be- sorry. I didn't see a quarter before this pandemic began. Like I didn't even get to try that new Elvira machine that looks so good. Um, <laughs> are you going to, are you going to, are you going to do it after you get your, after the, the shot kicks in? Uh, yeah, well, I got my first shot over the weekend, uh, Okay, which is why I felt especially, um, soft and sentimental over the news that uh, Bill Gates got divorced. Something I don't know why I'm so emotional about. It's just that I suddenly care about him a lot. It's funny. My, uh, I, I mentioned that to my wife. I was like, like she, was, she just walked in. Uh, I should just dropped off, like not dropped off the kids. The kids had come home. Um, so like, you know, one gets off the bus and then I, yeah, I'm there for her. And then the other one is typically picked up by, by Kristen at school. And so like, she was coming home with him, and I was like, "Oh, hey, like uh, Bill and Bill and Melinda Gates just got a divorce." She was like, "What?" And I was like, "Wow, you're like, pretty serious about this." Like, and she was like, "Well, isn't that surprising to you?" And I was like, "I don't know. I don't <laughs> like. I think, I think it's not like. I don't think you're alone. I if think, I'm like, gonna people, care, I guess I'm gonna be shocked by it." Yeah, people people feel a certain way about about Bill and Melinda Gates getting a divorce. Well, um, didn't you hear? He's he's gonna save us all. He's the savior of the planet. He's our glorious. He's our uh, glorious ever. He's the he's the he's the uh, he's the normie Elon Musk. He's not he's not he's not Deadpool. He's Captain America. Well, yeah, he's not posting memes, but he like shares all the same like ghoulish principles. 
<laughs> of like, That's true. <laughs> of like the planet has too many people, and the only the only way to, to salvation is through me. Yeah, I forgot that he's a real like weirdo, Malthusian. Well, now too. he's now he's like he's like a big reason like that those uh, IP rights around all the vaccines are getting held up like they are. I know. I saw that. I, so yeah, I, it's it's all these people who are like weird about like. Bill Gates only develops these vaccines to get tiny microchips into your arms. Like, well, it's a really funny way of showing it. <laughs> you know, if, if that's really what, if that was his game plan, you'd think like he'd be doing the opposite. Uh, if that's what you believe he's up to, then it doesn't really fit synchronized too nicely. But if you just believe he's out to make money, it actually makes complete sense. Just communing with Satan and being like, listen, I get it. You want the mark of the beast to, to, to bring about stuff, but I can't take a bath here. You're allowed like, to you're allowed to hate all these like billionaires and celebrities and stuff, but you, you just have to recognize like at the end of the day, it just makes more sense if you rationalize they're trying to make money. You're there's so much gymnastics uh to explain yeah. like they're they're worshiping some obscure pagan god and um the the amount of retweets they do in an average week synchronizes to a certain mathematical codec, uh, <laughs> you know. But if you just no, want money, but if you just say they you're like, well, they're just looking for a bigger payday, then like the details sort of fit sit a lot more nicely. <laughs> it's it's one of those guiding rules of life, you know. Just like if you if everything kind of makes sense, if you just assume the worst people on earth are doing it to make money, it all. <laughs> It all adds up better that it's way. The, it's the it's the world historical if it looks like a duck. Yeah. Like it's not as know. it's not as fun as like some of the D and D campaigns some of these conspiracy theories are on. Oh, it's so good. Have you been seeing like the, the QAnon stuff where it's like the where they have to go now where it's like they, they have like news sites where they are like enacting what's actually happening. Yeah, I heard like, reporting uh, back about you know that uh, who's Hillary that lawyer Ryan. again? That Lee uh, oh yeah, Lee. Uh, I almost said L. L. Lee Ermy or whatever. <laughs> uh, I mean, not that he would be opposed to it, but uh, yeah, no. Um, uh, he he was like tweeting as he was like saying he was in the yeah. White House, but he was and looking like, for used, Joe Biden. Looking for Joe Biden, but he's clearly just using old photos, and then said like. There he is. Donald Trump's still sitting in the Oval Office, like <laughs> at the Resolute desk. <laughs> it's like. Are you, like, uh, euthanizing a child right now? Like, what's going on? Don't worry. So it's just, like, the dragon's coming to fetch you. Don't worry. <laughs> We're off to Camelot now. I I loved that thread so much. Like, I, I spent I spent a good portion of part of my day when that came out. Not not that good of a portion, but too much. Uh, setting the the Donald Trump in the in the resolute desk with him to, uh, like, and, like, setting it in a screenshot with, like, um... Morrowind text. It's just like the the most unnatural possible look for, for a person at the resolute desk. Just very upsetting, uh, it's, but it's, also very funny. It is amazing how much politics plays out. Like that one Aikwood comic about dragging the picture of the motorcycle over the mountain. Yeah, over the mountain. <laughs> yeah that's true. I think like I think my life is is too caught up in trying not to quote the uh, the Aikwood comic where. Um, uh, 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 Ray or Ted or reports back to Ray that their candidate thinks that um, the president of Mexico has a dirt floor in his uh, in his airplane, and uh, Ray says politics is a tough tattle. Um, I think about that a lot, uh, but I think 
I think the um I think the the one you're mentioning is better. Like the dragging the motorcycle over. People just want to see it. People yeah. just want that that thrill. I was actually Speaking of Akewood and politics, uh, the night Obama was elected the first time, I was hanging out with Chris Onstead, uh, interviewing him for a school paper. Just, oh, really? Yeah, the timing was just like the night of the election. He was in Toronto doing a book signing. And like <laughs> like half of it was a book signing. The other half, like all these just a room full of Canadians uh, watching the news go by. And me and him <laughs> just sort of like drinking a beer out on the front steps it was a very nice oh ple- pleasant evening to do uh i, I feel like the Akewood cartoon would have uh done better yeah he, if instead of if instead of the Akewood voice he instead of the voice he gave to ray he gave him like donald trump's voice that's i feel like that would be perfect <laughs> oh man if only he knew no that's definitely where his head was at like he all he really wanted to talk about that evening was like trying to get this animated series oh. started it sounded like it sounded like I guess in his mind, like he had taken the comic so far and it had gone so many wild and interesting places that it's like sort of his new frontier, right? Like he wanted yeah. to expand into some sort of adult swim cartoon, which was very, you know, easy to imagine, but I guess the cards didn't uh, play out that way. Instead, he seemed to make a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty penny making Sody Pops. Uh, yeah, kind of a knowledge. little bit strange. Yeah. yeah. Did you did you ever see the test footage? We we can end soon because I'm keeping you up talking to you about Aikwood test footage. Did you see did you see the test footage for that ever? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's what you're really about. oh god, Ray's voice haunts me. It's like, a bit, it's a bit, like, it's a bit too silly, you know. Well, yeah, like the way he was like, okay, I need you to make a silly black guy voice. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh no, mm-hmm. like <laughs> Chris, what are you doing? It was not nearly as impressive as that uh, fan cartoon of the goth dance that oh yeah to youtube ones and that that i love like that that i don't know wow in any case i think to to tie it back i think your um i think your (laughs) magazine like like funland speaks to me in the way that akewood should like the akewood zine i always wanted to look like this where it was like half comics that didn't make much sense or were sketches half like articles from onstad or people he was pretending to be and this is just like a much more mature version of that that looks like it actually um will will deliver where like there's cool cartoons there's like really really compelling essays there's like smart stuff in there um i like i'm i say i'm super excited about it just because i'm trying to be like the audience but i've read it it's great um and uh, I can't wait for more. So, yeah, no, go go buy this. Uh, you can find it. I had the link up. I don't want to forget. It's at funland.itch.io. Um, and then you can go to slash funland-issue-one. But I think you can probably just go to the itch. There's also a Patreon if you want to. So, so you can buy issues individually on itch. But if you want to save a couple of couple of coins, you can sign up at patreon.com slash funlandmag. That's right. I, I caught I caught I was making sure because sometimes I get my Patreon. I, I never get my Patreon wrong, but I could imagine it happening. Um, <laughs> it, it, it could happen. It could and like it, it haunts me. Um, but yeah, no, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to see this come out. Like this is like this is really cool. Like I, I've been 
I've been really following this from when you when you were saying that you were thinking of doing it. You, I, I I saw the cover early. I'm just I'm just bragging about my access at this point. Um, well, I'm like it's, a it's celeb a, too. It's a uh, very it's a very flattering way of complimenting how annoying I've been. Uh, oh last no year. no, it's rocked. It's like oh it, honestly I I and I'm I'll level with you here. Like really truly. Um, seeing this come together has been like one of the highlights of the um, of the year for me. Like I just I love watching this come together and just like watching it kind of get honed because it's so much better than anything I could do if I were doing it. Like it's it's so good. So, yeah, no, people definitely pick it up. Um, if you like if you like all those old uh, magazines, if you like stuff from the Alexandria of, of video gaming, if you like stuff from. I don't know if you just have good memories about it, but you also like good writing and stuff. I, I highly recommend it. It's, it's the idealized version of those magazines you kept in plastic bins when you were 10 or whatever. You're an adult now. You're going to you're going to read about games in a different way. But if you if you still long for that acid house design and those devil may care uh, ad cartoons, then, then I've created a, a new home for you. You're you've got a place in Funland. And so far, well, I'm going to leave it at that, actually. You've got a place in Funland. Mm. Close your eyes here. We're just taking you off to Funland. Here comes a dragon. We're, here we're comes off, the dragon. We're off to Camelot. <laughs> we're off to Camelot, and, and Donald Trump's still sitting in the Oval Office. It's a beautiful he's saying, thing. He's saying, welcome to Funland. He's saying, welcome to Funland. Welcome to Funland. <laughs> I can't. I don't. Ooh, I don't even know what that. My, ooh, yeah. my Trump. No, that wasn't like. bad. That wasn't no? bad. I, I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it because um, I don't. I don't want to do it on air. Uh, I'm too scared. But you went went for it, and I liked yeah. it. Thank you. You know, good. it's yeah. a whole. You know, having a year of not really talking to people, or it you changes have your own you. voices. And <laughs> you could do impersonations all you want. You'll never know if they're anywhere close until <laughs> until it's too late. Until you say it on a live recording. You're a regular Jimmy Carter. Well, this actually isn't live. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a terrible strain on the animator's wrists. Um, <laughs> Zach, where can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, I am at Z. <laughs> I have it open. Yeah. Do you know it all? Do you know oh, it it's, all? Oh, it's easy. It's three It's three A's and three O's. It's uh, okay. Z-A-A-A-C-K-K-O-O-O-T-Z-E-R. There you go. That's right. I'm Canadian, and I say it like that. Okay, yeah, that uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Zed, I don't know, I I don't say it that way, but I appreciate Zed and H as ways of saying Z and H, um, our our loony neighbors to the north and west. Well, not not like us doing things right. When Lord Zed was the villain on Power Rangers, did you think that was weird? Because that's just how we know it. Like that's our bog standard, right? Yeah, no, we we um that was normal to me. Like I, I thought Zed sounded like a really evil guy. Oh, uh, okay, that makes sense. Like it too. sounds very scary, like Zed. And um, I and I spell my name with a K because of Power Rangers, because that's how the the Power Ranger on there spelled Zach as well. Oh really? And, and I was so it was like around grade three, and I was just so tired oh, yeah. of people saying Zachary when they f- when they found out how my name was actually spelled. There's, I had a. One of my one of my best friends was uh, ZAC, mm. which I think is also hard. Um, so ZACK is a nice one. I forgot, the, but now that you say it, absolutely, that's how the Black Power, the, the yeah, the Black Power Ranger, right? Yeah, it was yeah, because the 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 there was the Blue Power Ranger was the nerd, the Red Power Ranger was the leader, Pink Power Ranger was um, Kimberly. Kimberly, right? I couldn't remember her name, but she didn't really have a lot of defining features. Um, 
Power Rangers may be not the best characterized show. It's like, I also can't come up with ways to describe the Yellow Ranger. Uh, I have leader and nerd and then uh, girl and races. That's That seems bad. Maybe we should maybe we should go back and, and reconsider Power Rangers. All right, that's my next project is the, All right, great, the fun good. land for Power Rangers. I'm going <laughs> to fix the whole thing. All right. Well, uh, I look forward to your uh, to your uh, super. Uh, I'm not going to get the actual name. Um, I look forward to your your uh, your Power Rangers reboot. And uh, yeah, let's talk again soon. It'll be a pleasure. All right. Have a good night. one. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash Hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.